My name is Reagan Gillen, and this is Scott Gillen, and we are the co-pastors here in Thrive. We want to say hi to our online streamers, and I don't know why they're not here. You got an an extra an extra, extra hour, hour of sleep, extra and hour. still couldn't make it. Well, I mean, most people did, unless you had a toddler in the home like we did. Right. No one told Andy about um, the extra hour. But she really, was up at five thirty, like, let's go! Yay! <laughs> um, but no, we we're excited to to co-pass or to co-preach today. We did it a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. we didn't ruin it too much. Nah. So we thought. Let's try this. Let's spin the barrel again. Yes. Let's see what happens. Um, and just before we start, we should probably acknowledge that someone in the room has to write both of us a reference. Yeah. Um, so if you want to just, again, be extra excited, if you want to just stand up in the middle of our sermon and be like, you guys are amazing. Yeah. If everyone wants to remember your baptism today, that yeah, would be great. Um, our, di- our district superintendent, Cami Gaston, is in the room this morning. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, when you're a teacher and, like, the principal sits in, you know. So, kids, let's be on our best behavior, mm-hmm. all right? Let's try. Let's um. try to do it. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so we are uh, ending our series, Meant for More, yep. today. And today our, our title is Next to Now, which I think is very, very funny because uh, we just had a marriage retreat this weekend, which was amazing and so fun. We all got matching tattoos. We made best friend necklaces. It was just just great. Um, But what's interesting is that through uh, some of the worksheets we did and questions, uh, Scott and I discovered that one area that we want to grow in our marriage is that we need to uh, stop being so lazy, um, that we have a lot of laziness, you know. And so I'm like, that's funny that we're talking about how to do, you know, be proactive and now when we're like terrible at it. So... Just know that we're not a good example. Preaching for that. to ourselves this yeah. morning. Um, but, I, but I'm excited. So, we're going to go ahead and jump into our scripture today, which is from the book of James. And uh, it'll be James 4 13 through 14. To start, and then we'll to keep start. reading. Okay. You want to pray first? I'm going to pray after. Oh, you're going to pray mm-hmm. after? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. You do you. You do That's you. Right. Okay. 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 Here we go. <laughs> Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So let's pray. (laughs) God, we are so thankful for your word and the way that it reminds us that life is precious and can be quick, and it can be short. But what we do, uh, why, why we're here, that you have purpose and plans um, and belief in us. So will you be with us today as we speak into that, as you lead us, as you guide us, be with our hearts and minds, um, and we give all of the glory to you. It's your name, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, so let, let's start by, by digging into this text that we just read, and we'll, and we'll keep reading in just a, just a little bit. But first, let's, let's sort of stop here and talk. So um, I love the letter of James. We've preached on, on this letter a couple times in this series, actually, because um, it has a lot to do with taking action, and our actions have meaning and value. Um, James is writing in this part, he's writing to a community where, you know, like a lot of communities in the Mediterranean, which is where the Christian church was developing, you know, it's really built on this sort of trading economy. And so uh, a lot of people would travel. They would, they would take their ship and they'd go and sail to some town and they'd bring goods and they'd trade those and they'd make money. And then they'd pick up and pack up more goods and bring them back and make money there. And so, you know, that was a, a, a standard way of, of earning an income and actually a really 
good job. If you could land a good deal, I mean, you'd, you'd find some money quick. And so he's talking to some people who, who, you know, their job is to try to predict and tell, you know, what town should I go to next and which items should I buy and which items should I sell. And, you know, man, I, oh, I can't wait to make a whole lot of money next year when I hit on this item. And I know that North Dallas has no idea what that's like, right? No, no. Um, So it's pretty similar. That's one reason I wanted to preach on this this morning because I feel like in many ways we live similar lives to the way that the people lived in James' world. You know, we like to look ahead and what's 2018 going to hold? Even in the church, we're, you know, doing our stewardship campaign right now. What's 2018 going to hold? What are we going to do next year? And so I think it's interesting that, that he speaks directly to this, and that's why we wanted to end the series here um, on this scripture this morning. Because uh, I think that we share a similar sort of problem that the people in James's community shared, and that is that we look towards the future um, almost exclusively. Like, we, we are so future-focused, uh, and, and I think we are for a couple of reasons. So I want to start today by asking, why do we look to the future? Why do we spend so much time thinking about tomorrow and next week and next month and next year? Um, Because I find myself stuck just thinking about what's coming around the corner constantly. Am I the only one? (laughs) Okay, good. So the first reason I think that we look to the future is I think we look to it out of worry and fear. If that's been you before in your life, say amen. Hey, good. Um, I think we look to the future out of worry and fear because we're afraid of what could happen. And we think that if we worry and fret over the future long enough and we make enough plans in our head long enough that somehow we will bend the future to our will and create the perfect future, right? Am I the only one that does this all of the time? Wait, that doesn't work? No, it doesn't. It doesn't work ever. So the, the way that I see this summed up most beautifully is, so I love, one part of my job that I love the most is working with weddings. Uh, I love working with weddings. Mailage is such a fun thing to do. That's, I've not ever been able to do that bit in a wedding. If you're getting married and you'll let me dress up like this guy and do the mailage bit. That, like, Aaron be, and Sarah. You don't you even want? have to pay me. Come on. Like, I'll just you do it for free. It. I'll pay you. Like, let me do this. That's a dream. So uh, weddings to me are like the epitome of us trying to bend the future to our will. We try to plan weddings to a T these days. I mean, I've worked with not bridezillas, but we'll just say very particular brides, yeah? (laughs) Um, and, And the idea is like, well, if we just plan... For 18 months, like some of the engagement, we were, we were engaged for three months, yeah. right? So like we had to make decisions and move on. We were like yep. Chick-fil-A, yes, uh, this color, I don't care. I'll wear a cardigan, doesn't matter, you know. Yep. Um, those are all true things. So uh, people will be engaged for like 18 months. And so like I'll come sit down with them and, you know, so are you guys thinking of anything for the ceremony? And sometimes I'll get like a... You know, well, we've got this, this, and this, and this, and they haven't actually planned the ceremony, and that's always kind of fun. They've planned everything around the ceremony, because who cares about the ceremony? It's just a wedding. Um, (laughs) I'm just a photo op, so uh, (laughs) that's another sermon for another day. What's funny is uh, almost every wedding I've ever been a part of, something has gone wrong. And, and some of them are pretty funny. Um, like uh, one time, and I've told this story before in here, but one time the bride walked down uh, to what was supposed to be a beautiful song by somebody. I don't know Carrie what the Underwood. song. Oh, it was a Carrie Underwood song. Yeah. What it was was a Ford Focus YouTube ad because they were right. pulling the music off of YouTube. Yep. Uh, so she walked down to, and now the Ford Focus, you know, and um, <laughs> that was What every bride dreams about. Every bride's dream. Or my most recent wedding, this one was on me. Don't laugh, don't laugh. Um, 
This is what happens when I'm not around. This is what happens. So when you meet with couples for premarital counseling, <laughs> you know, I'm a first name basis kind of person, you know. So I was working with a couple named Nitha and Andrew. And Nitha and Andrew are lovely people. I met with them on four different occasions. We'd gotten to know each other over the span of a couple of months. And it gets to the big day of the wedding, and I'm so excited for Nitha and Andrew. And I'd been emailing Nitha Joseph quite a bit. And so I knew, I knew her name very well, and I knew Nitha and Andrew. I felt like I knew them very well. And I get up there to the, to the front of the, of the church. I'm standing there, and the bride's walking in and I'm looking at the groom, and I realize I don't know his last name. I'm not joking. I, standing there in the middle of a wedding ceremony, realize I know Andrew, and that's it. I have no idea what his last name is. I know Nitha Joseph because I emailed her all the time, and I never emailed Andrew. He's like Cher in my head. Like, he's got the one name, Andrew. You know, and at the end, you're supposed to say, and I present to you, Mr. and Mrs., and I've got nothing, right? And so I had to find a clever, comedic way to cover my own schmagake. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, so it, Andrew and Nitha Delaney are now very happy couple. Um, and <laughs> I think they were happy with the ceremony in the end. But my point is this. Even a wedding... Like, the, the one thing in our lives that we try to plan and get a handle on more than anything else, tell me that your wedding went off without a single hitch. Somebody in this room, tell me that happened. It's not true. And so why is it that we spend so much time worrying and afraid and trying to plan and trying to plan and trying to plan over a future that we know is not going to be perfect? It's never going to happen. And sometimes that can make us really, really frustrated and angsty, you know, my wife, I love you, I love you. That's My wife start. gets in her head, <laughs> it's okay, this is what we're doing today. She gets in her head the way that something's supposed to go. Anybody else this way? She, she sort of writes the story in her head of this is how this season is supposed mm-hmm. to go. And the second anything deviates from that, I can see the mood shift in her. Like, it's like, why isn't this happening the way that I planned it? I'm like, it's weird. You're not the master of the universe. It's crazy. Um, and so, but I'm the same way, though, when, when things that happen in my world don't go the way that I think they should, and I feel like it's wrong. This isn't the way it's supposed to happen. It's imperfect. It just drives me bananas. And so I just, I focus on the future so daggum much. Yes. So um, I know because you focus on the future, you're always thinking you're, you're really not enjoying the moment. You're not enjoying the now. And so you become very discontent. And so I, I, wanted, I wanted to share. So um, when I first got out of college, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, really. I, I was struggling to find jobs. I applied for a lot. And I interviewed a lot. And I became very discontent because, meanwhile, I'm not able to find a job. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very lost. And... I'm getting phone calls from my friends that are like, oh, we're pregnant. I'm like, great. So not only do you have, you know, you're married, everything's going great for you. Awesome. I'm so, so excited for you. Meanwhile, like, I'm just like hating life because everything that I'm wanting, everything that I wanted planned, you know, like I didn't get engaged junior year of college so then I could get married. I was in high school. Right. You were in high school. So it was very hard. hard. Like, so I had a journal that I wrote to Scott, my future husband, you know. Yeah. Um, and so there were some very angry entries in there for there, a while. There, there like, were. just like, where the, the heck Sharpie are came you? Out at times. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that was a really good time. But I was... I was at prom. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where I was. <laughs> so I was so discontent with where I was. And I was, 
Um, and I look back at that time and I'm like, you know, I probably missed out on a lot of things, a lot of friendships, a lot of experiences because I was so consumed with what I didn't have. Um, I just, I wasn't a very happy person. And I'm finding that sometimes when we're in that season where we're really discontent, sometimes, yes, things are inflicted from the world. There are some things that uh, impact us and we have no control. But there are some things that we do to ourselves um, that make us discontent. And if we could just pull ourselves out and just kind of look at that bird's eye view and maybe have a little bit more trust um, and really see, okay, where is God today? How is God moving in my life today? Where are there opportunities for me to grow and do things? Um, I think our life would be so much more full and, and richer, and we would spend a lot less time complaining and being, um, we would just see the world different, I think. And yeah. so learning how to be content uh, with wherever you are is really, really important. So let's talk about how it's sort of the antidote to this you know, future focus that we have, because it's not that it's bad to plan for the future to, or to hope for the future, but if we spend all of our time focused on the future and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year, then it's really pulling us away from the present. So, so how, do we, how do we get from the future to today in terms of our mindset? And, and like Reagan said a second ago, I think a, a lot of that has to do with trust. I think when we spend our, our time absolutely fixated on the future, what we're really saying is that we, we've got, there's a lack of trust there in the relationship that we have with God and in God's relationship with us. So um, in the worry and fear uh, zone that a lot of us find ourselves in, um, how can we trust in an eternal God that we believe we have a relationship with, right? So theologically, when we say that God is eternal, that's a, that's a really kind of mind-bending concept because what that means is that God is outside of time, that God's with us in the person of Jesus Christ and he's with us in the person of the Holy Spirit and God is active in our daily lives, but God is also eternal. God is outside of time as a construct and God is able to view everything and all things at one point in time. If you think about it long enough, it makes your brain kind of hurt a little <laughs> bit. Um, and so how do we say, okay, I've got a relationship with this God and yet I'm freaking out and I'm stressed out and I'm worried and I'm fearful of what's going to happen in a week or in a month or in a year. And yet my God, this God that I claim to be in relationship with, is already there. God is already present, fully present in my future. God is fully present in next week, in next month, in next year. Now that doesn't mean that it's always going to be sunshine and roses, but whatever our path takes us to, Wherever we lead ourselves, wherever we get led by God, God is there every step of the way. We never leave God's presence. God is present today and tomorrow and the year after. And so how can we begin to trust in this relationship with an eternal God that is already present in our future? Does that allow us to stop worrying and stop being so fearful because we know that, you know what, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be speed bumps. But my God's already there. And, and, and my God's going to be there and will be there forever. When I adopt that kind of a mindset, that allows me to release a little bit because it allows me to fall more into the trust that I have with this relationship with an eternal God. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to share, many of you know, uh, I used to work, uh, when I first came to Lover's Lane, I was the associate youth director. I did that for many years. And uh, I'm still volunteering with a youth group. And so my girls are in 12th grade now. And I think we might 
have, okay, so these are a few of my girls now, they're seniors, and then I think there might be, so there's a, a few others. I am committed, look at that. So this is when they're in sixth grade. Aww. How cute are they? They're so cute. Um, but now they're in 12th grade, and so they are applying for a college, and they are freaking out. <laughs> Which we like to go back to that time. And remember, that is really nerve-wracking. That's so overwhelming. Because you know what's going through their mind is, what if I pick the wrong school, right? Or what if I pick the wrong major and all of that? Um, and I'm sure if we surveyed the room, many of you probably uh, picked a few, yeah. <laughs> picked a few majors, <laughs> um, or you're in a job that has nothing to do what you with what you majored in. Some of you started school, didn't finish school, and are doing fine. Um, some of you maybe switched colleges, you know, whatever. And one thing I've been trying to explain to the girls is that, you know, God is already present in your freshman year of college. Like God is already there, and. Um, when you when you pray and you think and maybe you're not going to get it I'm like maybe you're not going to get a clear answer but if you can simply say to God you know I I don't know if this is the exact right thing and is there an exact right college I don't know but I know God is going to be there and so I've encouraged them like how can you pray for the friends that you're going to meet or the clubs or the groups that you're in how can you start praying for that knowing that God has already got them and and trying to explain to them too it's not like you know, they pick, let's say they pick the wrong school, and God's like, oh, I'm out then. You didn't, yeah. you Sorry. picked wrong. You're supposed to go um, UNT. Whoops. Right. Like, and I think sometimes we, we spend, again, we're back to that worry and that fear is that we think if we, if we take one step, then everything's ruined. God's giving up on God's me. God's giving up. Right. And, and, and also, I mean, think about all those times um, when things didn't go as planned or things you had to shift or change, and it ended up being exactly where you wanted to be right? I mean, it was so much better, whether it was um, you ended up not getting that job you thought was the one, or you didn't marry that person. Thank God that you thought was the one. <laughs> you know, things like she that. She got me instead. I got you. Look at that. Um, <laughs> but when you look, you think, um, you know what? Why did I worry? Because I'm exactly where I need to be, yeah. because God is here. God is present, and God is there and here and everywhere, and I think that can really, again, change how we live every single day. Yeah. You say a word about the discontent too. Sure. So um, we need to, I think it goes back to trust really, is when you're discontent, it really boils down to that. Um, we need to trust um, that God doesn't want us to leave us in, in that place of discontent, doesn't want to leave us um, in a place where we're struggling or, or maybe we're experiencing pain or, or, or whatever, but um, that God is really a liberator and, and God wants to break these chains that um, kind of keep us in this, I don't know, in this place where we can't move forward right. or be action-oriented or, or anything like that. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, you know, what is God calling me today um, to do to, in order to change and, and move forward? What is God calling you to today? And then... Um, even if that's just nothing. Yeah, even, even if, if it's God's like, God, I need you to wait. I need you to wait and, and be comfortable with that. You know, it's not, not, always, uh, it's not always comfortable to sit and wait, no. um, but I think it's important. It's an important thing to learn to do. And so um, maybe you need to ask yourself, you know, what chains do you need broken? What is, what is holding you 
back? What is leaving you in a place of discontent or um, of not being able to trust God fully? And how can you take that to God and not with a list of demands, but rather mm-hmm. a what, what do you want me to do today mm-hmm. about this? Because if it's big chains, I doubt you're going to break them overnight, right? right? Yeah. So these aren't quick fixes. This is what do you want me to do today, yes. just today? And then let God talk to you tomorrow and focus on mm-hmm. that day tomorrow. Really, it's opening yourself up to be, okay, I really want to be obedient to right. whatever, whatever you have for me today. Anybody love being obedient? Me. Anybody? <laughs> Anyone? Yeah, right? Um, but I think it's a really, really important thing to do. Yeah. So, okay, so we, we've addressed kind of the problem, and, and James in his text, he's addressed kind of the problem. But, but so if we, if we turn our attention back to the present, what, what does that really do for us? And what does life look like when we live in the present with God? And so we're going to keep going now in James 4, picking up in verse 15, where he says this. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is... You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who commits the right thing to do, or who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, commits sin. So as usual, James is a happy author. Um, <laughs> God, he's so heavy Zing. metal. It's just like, it's always heavy like, metal good, with good, him. Good, good, good. Oh, you lost me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so it, to reframe that last phrase, I, I really do like his last line there where he says, anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. All right, James, these are positive language, right? Um, <laughs> another way to frame that would be the Holy Spirit. Uh, when you do what God has set on your heart in the moment, you live fully in faith. So that's the positive way of explaining what James just said. James gave us the negative, the positive. When you do what God has set on your heart in the moment, you live fully in faith. So we believe in a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now in the Methodist Church, we can sometimes, uh, we go, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, we kind of mentioned that last one a little bit quieter. But this is where the work of the Holy Spirit really comes alive for us. And this is where we need to understand our relationship is not just with a father, mother, parent God. It's not just with friend, brother, Jesus Christ. It's also with this presence, this spirit, this Holy Spirit that is walking with us and guiding us and moving us and breathing into us and loving us every single minute of every single day. This is the radical closeness Right, if you got God the Father and then Jesus is next to us, the Holy Spirit is like permeating throughout us. This is the radical closeness of God. And the, and the really cool thing, the crazy cool thing about the power of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is totally about now. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is totally sold out to right now. Right now, this moment in your life is where the Holy Spirit wants to be. And so when we listen to the Holy Spirit, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, when we, when we engage with that person of the Trinity that we call God in the Christian church, the Holy Spirit nudges us every single day about things that are a now issue. It's wonderful. Like sometimes, uh, one time I was watching, uh, did you ever watch uh, Malcolm in the Middle? Anybody? Malcolm in the Middle? Great show. Timely reference, I know, right? Um, <laughs> So uh, the oldest brother, he, he, goes, to, uh, he goes to the military, uh, he, he enlists as a soldier, I think it was the oldest, and, you know, I may be forgetting a detail, the show's like 15 years old, um, but he goes and enlists in the military as a soldier, and he's learning how to be a soldier. Okay, another reference, Forrest Gump, same kind of concept here, where basically um, he realizes that in order to be a good soldier, you just stop thinking for yourself, and you do whatever the person above you tells you to do, right? And Forrest Gump, you know, he, he, he says, you know, what is your job, Gump? To do whatever you tell me to, drill sergeant! You know, he's, he's a genius. He uses some colorful language there, but... Um, <laughs> so 
when I encounter the Holy Spirit, I have to kind of go into that mode. I have to kind of go in that order-following mode, which is hard for a type A personality like that. Like, uh, like I said before, who loves being obedient in the room, right? <laughs> it's not always easy, but the Holy Spirit is the one that says, if you'll just stop for a second trying to think through everything, and if you just follow my nudges, I will lead you to exactly what needs to be done right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not a, not a month from now. What needs to be done right now? What is the Holy Spirit asking you to say, to do, to be, to love right now? I need more of that in my life. I don't know about you. I'm big on the future. I'm bad about right now. And that's where I think the Holy Spirit is huge. Yes. Um, so Kay Eck, who's our executive pastor and, and my boss and who's been my mentor, boss, whatever, since I started here. Um, one thing she's been teaching me recently is if you think it, if you touch it, meaning like if I touch even like a receipt, like do it right, right now. And I've been thinking about those times where someone's name pops in my head. We all have that experience, right? It's someone we haven't thought about in a while, or maybe it's just someone really random. Um, I've learned to like, I need to either call or text or email or something, because that, I've learned, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings things to our mind, and there's ideas, and that's because Holy Spirit is like, okay, I want you to think about doing this now. I want you to reach out to this person now. And it's amazing how many times I have either texted or called or whatever, and people are like, I really needed that today. Like something is going on. And so learning to be obedient and not, and not push things off to another day. Um, because again, the Holy Spirit is inviting us in to the work and uh, yeah, it's hard to say yes. It's hard to physically stop what you're doing and move to something else. But I guarantee whatever your, whatever your attention is being moved to is probably better and exactly where you need to be. And so learning that, um, so one thing, my sweet husband, um, yeah, that's a great way to start. (laughs) So I think wives can uh, agree with this. So, you know, I'll be doing stuff in the house, you know, cleaning and doing things. And um, Scott may be doing something else, you know, whether playing Uh a video game or Uh whatever. Yeah, that's Um, all I do. I just go and play video games. uh, That's all I do. And, you know, I'll be in the middle of something. I'm like, hey, when you get a chance, if you want to take out the trash or whatever. Notice what she said. Yeah. When you get a chance. But what I really mean... Those are the is do words. it now, right? Wives, are you with it's me? Not like, what she said. we're trying to be polite. Not at all. But what I really mean is, do it now. Uh, There's words for that. You just said them. See how that works? <laughs> um, it's crazy. But I think about, okay, <laughs> how we can, um, again, not make an excuse or be forward or be clear, but be obedient to the, like, there's things that we can really stop and just do now. We need to stop making excuses. Um, I love you. <laughs> but um, It's amazing how technical English actually is if we choose to use it right, the right way. Right, I know, it's weird. It's crazy. I'm learning, marriage yeah. retreat. Marriage helping retreat. me, helping me, okay. <laughs> so uh, another, uh, some other people I wanna tell you about is uh, the Scott and Sarah Luganbill who are youth pastors, who I am convinced. Amongst very many other things. Um, are like half god, they're demigods. I think they're related to Maui. Something I think. like that. <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Scott and I discovered I, we don't think they've slept in like three years. No. Um, mm. But they get things done. Yes, they do. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's tiring how much they do. Um, but watching like watching them, them is tiring. It yeah. is. 
I mean, there are pro like house projects that would take us like three years to do. They do in like a weekend, you right. know. It's, <laughs> but I love watching them with the students. I love watching them with um, Sarah leads the young adults. Uh, that they just get things done. When people say, hey, I'm going through this or I have this, Sarah's immediately pulling out her phone like, when can we meet this week? Let's get together. So she meets students all the time before school, okay? That's early. Yeah. Um, but they're so um, aware of the Holy Spirit. They're so aware of what needs to be done now because um, they want to participate fully in what God is doing, what the kingdom of God needs. Like they just want to be present. They are now people. And I love watching them. I love learning from them. And I want to be them, but I do want to sleep. So that is what holds me back. <laughs> I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, when Reagan talks about when you have a moment, right? And in my head, I'm thinking, well, I mean, I'm playing with my team online right now because I do just play video games all <laughs> the time. Not no, real, I don't really. But, but um, you know, that, that phrase, when you have a moment, right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, when do we ever have a moment? Right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the problem a lot of times with getting stuff done is we think, well, when I have a moment or when, when, when my life slows down a bit, ha, ha, ha. Like I, I've been waiting for my life to slow down for like the last five years. Like right, one of these like, days I'm going to hit a season. And you're like, we're, we're going to have kids when it's the right time. Oh, right, there's no good time. When it's the right kid. time. You know, yeah. like there's so many things. Exactly. And so I think the, the reality of like waking up and admitting the fact that it's it might never be the right time to do mm -hmm. what the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart. It may never be the right time to start whatever you know it is that you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we need to be a people of faith who are about action and not waiting for when we have enough time or have enough funds, right? We always talk about that. When I got enough money, well, you know, like James's people, when I go over to town and I'll make a bunch of money next year, then, you know, he was probably doing a capital campaign or something. He's like, well, next year I got you covered, James. I'm going to go make a bunch of money. I'll come back. Um, but we, we, and we also need to stop waiting for someone else to always do yeah. something, right? That is exactly why I think so many things have grown to be such big problems in, in our society is because we all expect someone else to do it or we keep putting it off because it's not the right time. And when I have a moment and when it's mm -hmm. the right time and it might never be the right time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know Scott, in a sermon recently you talked about, I guess it was the Pope's quote. What was it? Pope's quote. Pope's quote. We pray for the hungry, then we feed them. Yeah. That's how prayer works. That's how prayer works. Yeah. But thinking about how many excuses, um, just as a society we've done for so long of, gosh, they look hungry. Someone's going to feed them. Yeah. Or, you know, there's some, there's some bad things. I should speak up. Oh, I'm sure someone else will speak up. Someone will stand up. And it's just grown into this huge problem. So then we're overwhelmed. And so then again, we choose to do nothing because we think it's too big of a problem. I can't do anything or I'm just me. Um, yeah. And we've made so many excuses that, it, that now we've kind of paralyzed ourselves. And we've been so good at saying no to the Holy Spirit um, that it's, it, it's sad for me because I think we forget how, how much we can be included in this work and how many abilities and how many graces and gifts and how we can do things. Even if we're just one person, we can do something. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want us to be people of excuses anymore. I want us to be people that are, that are now people. I, that's what I want for us. And so um, as we close this series, uh, I, I've really enjoyed this meant for more. And I know we've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is important. We don't talk about it enough. We don't relate to it enough. We don't speak to it much. We don't... Um, 
let it guide us and lead us. But I've been thinking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is active. Holy Spirit is all around us. Holy Spirit is constantly doing stuff. And the Holy Spirit is always saying, why don't you come with me? Why don't you come with me? I mean, that blows my mind that the God of the universe asks us to participate. That God trusts us and believes in us and wants to use us for far, far greater things than we could ever imagine. Far greater things than we could ever do on our own. When I revisit scripture, I see Christ. And I'm like, man, Christ was a go-getter. Christ was on the move. Christ wanted to take every opportunity to do more and help people realize that they um, had so much more worth, that they could do so much more. And I think about how God sees us, that God, um, even in our, our sin and our deficiencies and all these different things, that God continues to see us um, as beloved daughters and sons, and that we were created for more, and that we can do more. Um, that's humbling and overwhelming to me, and makes me love this God more and more, because often I don't believe in myself. I'm so busy picking apart what I can't do, where I can't be, and God says, no, I, I have stuff for you right now. You can do stuff now. And so for you, I don't know what this more life looks like for you. It may be really hard. God may ask you to do some really hard things. It may be really easy. I don't know. But I do know that if we continue to make excuses, if we continue to say, I'll do it later, or if we put it off, and we're never going to get to live into this life that God calls us. And so I know that God is calling you because God sees you and believes you and knows you and loves you and says, you know what, you are meant for more and I can't wait for you to realize that and know that and believe that for yourself. And so I hope through this series that you believe in this God, that you believe in the Holy Spirit, that you believe in this Christ, that you would believe that there's more to you there's more abilities. There's so much more um, that life has to offer as you live with God. So let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, we come to you this morning. We probably walked in with all sorts of thoughts in our heads, wondering what we were doing the rest of the day, thinking through our weekly calendar, thinking about what's coming up in the office tomorrow, what meeting we're going to walk into, what phone calls we have to make, what stresses we have that are waiting right around the corner. And God, how perfect is it that you draw us radically to the moment through worship? That you ask us to stop and to listen and to pray and to sing. That you ask us to meet you, not tomorrow, not next week, but right now to hear right now what it is that you have for us right now. And so God, as we continue through our weeks, as we go about our Sundays and we wake up on Monday morning, allow us to be a people about now, a people who are willing to meet you now. 
a people who are guided by the Holy Spirit, who sees the moments that you set before us, who trust that you are waiting for us in our future, whatever future that may be. God, we are thankful that you are a God of more, that you have made us for more, and not tomorrow, but right now. All this we pray in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. So, like I said earlier, we are in the, in the midst of a stewardship campaign here at Lover's Lane. We're, we're here at our time of offering. Uh, here's the deal. It's going amazingly. This community specifically of Thrive, um, we are gearing up for 2018. If you look around the room and you've been a part of us for a while, you know that 2017 has been a year of growth. It's been a good year. We've got a lot of family. We've had over 30 new members join. That's not even including their kiddos. We've had kids baptized. We've had adults remember their baptism. Um, And next year, we're looking to do more of the same. We're looking to grow even bigger. We want more small groups. We want more. We think Thrive is meant for more. Yeah, nice little tie-in there, right? Um, So to make that happen, we've got to be able to plan accordingly. And that means that we we got to know exact we got to know sort of what we're what we're working with financially as a, as an organization next year. So here's the really great news. You know, Reagan and I were talking um, before the season started. We said, how cool would it be if we could get 50 families to commit to $200,000 next year and thrive? And already we just had commitment Sunday last year because the week before we had a little thing. Anyways. Uh, We've already got over 25 families committed to over $150,000, which is awesome, and you guys need to be proud of yourselves for that. But that means we're not there yet. And so if you've not yet turned in a commitment card, I encourage you to do so. If this is a service that you are committed to, if you want to see this service continue to grow, those of you who are streaming, if you want to continue to see uh, this worship service, I encourage you to fill out a commitment card. Uh, you'll find Thrive Crosswalk as an option under Heart Burst Giving um, and, and help make 2018 possible for us next year. Um, thank you very much. Reagan, will you pray for our offering this yes, morning? Yes, let's pray. God, thank you for the way that you are moving and changing us and molding us into the likeness of your son. And we know that uh, as we say yes to now, as we say yes to things, as we um, strive to be obedient and open and, and just being able to listen for your voice. We know one thing that you ask us often is to be generous, to look outside ourselves and see how we can help those here in our city, those in our state, those in our country, and those in our world. We know that um, sometimes we feel like, well, I can't give much. I can't, you know, it's not much at all. But if we're going to be now people, we can start somewhere. And knowing that no matter what amount or whatever it is, it's a start. It can have a huge impact. So let us not forget the stories of two coins and how that meant so much. So be over this offering. May it be an act of worship. May it go to your kingdom. And it's your name. Amen. Amen.